0: Two, the plastics in the oceans. Most of us will have seen the impact a documentary like that had on people very recently. Two years ago, there was another documentary on climate change, fronted by actor Leonardo DiCaprio, called Before the Flood. It charted the crisis of climate change and what was happening in the world, but it also had a profound impact on this episode's guest, Sarah Clark. Sarah had been living her life like the rest of us prior to seeing that documentary, but afterwards she decided her and her family needed to change. She then started on a pathway to becoming Sustainable Sarah. The 35-year-old is incredibly busy at the moment, spreading awareness as well as doing a master's degree in sustainability at Anglia Ruskin University here in Chelmsford. She is also due to stand for a Chelmsford City Council seat in the upcoming elections in May. But at the heart of this green sustainable message is her children, the most important thing in her life. By raising the awareness she believes she can give her children a future on this planet. Brought to you by Essex Live, this is Humans of Chelmsford and this is Sarah Clark's story. Sarah, it is a very warm welcome to the podcast um, on this very sunny but wintry day. First off, before we get cracking, how is everything on this Friday afternoon?
1: I'm having a good day. It's lovely out there. Um, Beautifully clear day. I think everyone's enjoying a bit of winter sunshine. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Alistair. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, it will come as no surprise to people who are listening that um, environment and sustainability is very much a passion of yours, thanks to your moniker, Sustainable Sarah. Just tell us where that passion comes from in the first place.
1: Okay, I feel like, like I'm quite um, late to the party on this. There's, uh, there's been environmental campaigns and environmental activists for just decades. So I'm very much a newcomer. Um, it started a couple of years ago, 2016. Um, and I watched a documentary called Before the Flood. And it literally sort of changed my life. It changed my viewpoint, changed my focus... Um, I've got two kids, um, they're age seven and nine, and I just, I kind of started to understand the problem, I looked, I, I went through a phase of watching as much, as many documentaries as I could, reading as much as I could, to try and f- understand the problem, um, and then to see if I could do anything differently to, to help solve it.
0: What was it about that particular documentary, because obviously you had Leonardo DiCaprio sort of <laughs> facing it, um, and being the front man, if you like, but... What, the, what was it about that particular show and what it demonstrated that really opened up your eyes?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it had a lot of heart. He, he seemed really honest and obviously there's a, a wealth of science and scientists that were on the show as well so it's not, obviously not about um, Leonardo although there's a lot of evidence and science that shows that the messenger is as important as the message so maybe it's because of Leo I watched it. <laughs> but... Um, for me, it had a lot of heart, and he wasn't afraid to say how scared he was about this situation. And that made me kind of sit up and listen, really.
0: Before we pressed the big red record button, you told me that you had a few friends before you watched that that were involved in you know, the environmentalist side of things. Yes, yeah. But you never really picked up on those messages. Can you, can you work out Why?
1: I really don't know. I think, so I do. I have a friend, a dear friend that I've known since I was like two years old. Um, She lives in Essex as well. And my stepmom as well. She's always been a bit of an environmental warrior and she's always used her environmental products and natural things. And I think I was just caught in this uh, in the just the everyday, the grind, the just earning enough to survive. And it's almost what's expected of us. um, and I think I just wasn't attuned to the signs that are all around that I now know now and, and can't miss. You know, I wish, sometimes I really wish I didn't know <laughs> and I hadn't started studying and hadn't started on this journey because it's, you know, it's, a pr- it's pretty scary. Well,
0: you mentioned that daily grind kind of thing. Mm. Was, when you were living that life, was it just kind of taking each month as it, as it comes and not really having something fulfilling? I don't life. know.
1: I think I was just having fun. I, you know, I was. As I'm 35. I spent my teens and my 20s, like, <laughs> like a lot of people, getting drunk with my friends and being silly and shopping. Oh my God, the shopping we used to do, and yeah, just. You know, So I spent, uh, I spent my time having fun and then the kids came along and your priorities shift again. There's a massive change there when you realise actually there's better things to spend your money on and better ways to spend your time. Um, yeah, I think we just... And then we, we went through a focus of, you know, paying off the mortgage every, a little bit more each month. And I think everyone just struggles like Has this. it just
0: become like a life of numbers I and, and payments? I, th-
1: I think it's the expectations, to be honest. So um, I always thought I would have kids. Funnily enough, I wanted four kids and I learned about the population problem and have since stopped procreating and <laughs> very, very happy with my two. But I think it's just the expectation that, you know, we, we start, we, earn our, we get our GCSEs, we get our qualifications and you're on, you're on the treadmill and it's very hard to, to step off.
0: How important are your kids and how much of a change did they make to you?
1: oh my goodness, it's hard to put that into words. It, you, everything everything changes. It's not about... You're still a version of yourself, but a better version of yourself. And and so I think there's a saying that you're only as happy as your kids. And so if you, you literally feel everything for them and with them. So, you know, we've got stuff going on at schools at the moment and bullying and things like that. And you, you feel it with them. They are your reason for being, as well as my husband. I feel <laughs> doing a discredit to him. <laughs> He's a wonderful man, too. Um, but yeah, they, they give you meaning.
0: Well, I ask that question because a lot of the sustainability and the environmental side of things is obviously focusing a lot on the future. Mm. Your kids are the future. Yeah. So are they sort of your main driving factor in delivering those messages?
1: They are for me very much. It felt like. I remember watching the film we turned it off, I turned to my husband and we were just kind of like this is their future that maternal instinct just kicked in, you want to protect your kids, you want to, ha- to give them a healthy and happy life and with all of this information about all of the different problems, I'm sure we'll go into them shortly, climate change, the, all of this pollution, air pollution, plastic pollution, it's um, yeah, that I, like I felt a rush of My babies, you just feel like, how can I protect them from this? And that's, I think, that's what drove me.
0: You can obviously have that trigger moment where you think, okay, it's time I really need to do something. But then, what happens next? Because it it strikes me something that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Is actually to put those plans in motion and get doing something. What's the first step after that?
1: Oh, I'm trying to think back. Do you know? No one's asked me that for a while. But I will just say now, like. I am not. uh, I don't want to be the role model. I get things wrong. I'm learning. um, I'm trying to be eat eat less meat. Well, we do. We're mostly vegan, but the kids love cheese. I mostly use the bus, but sometimes I use the car. So I'm definitely not living as a role model. Um, I think we. The first step was just to learn more. So I watched more. I changed where I read things so if you read a particular type of newspaper you're used to a particular type of news so I changed the information that I was receiving and then I guess just kind of looked at what I could do differently. I was coming to the end of my open university degree at the time and I did that while the kids were at home and I saw an opportunity to study um, sustainability which I felt would give me a completely, um, a complete overview, a systems overview of all of the problems globally, not just things like climate change. Um, and then it also taught me a lot about the different sort of skills and ways that we can communicate this, this issue with people. So a large part has been talking to people um, about these issues. So I feel like I've got off track there from your original question, <laughs> which is the, I guess the next day that I woke up. I don't know. What did I do? I probably cried.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, you're doing stuff about it now. And since you mentioned the uh, master's degree, Mm -hmm. which is you're studying here in Chelmsford at Anglia Ruskin University. yeah. Hence, we're a Chelmsford-based podcast. (laughs) Why did you feel it was important to actually study that degree? And what are you going to take away from it once you've completed it? Because I believe this is your final year. It
1: is, yeah. So I've just got my research um, to complete and write up. So um, I was... I looked at different courses um, and this one just looked amazing. You study with um, the Institute, Global Sustainability Institute, which is part of Anglia Ruskin and it's also paired with um, the Eden Project So, um, and it was distance learning so it fitted in with my lifestyle as a mum. Um, What I hoped, I just had this conversation this morning with my husband, what I hoped I would learn was that everything will be all right. <laughs> I really I expected the, the lecturers um, and the research fellows who you know, ta- taught us, I, I expected them to kind of give me more hope than I actually obtained from studying the course.
0: How much hope honesty. have you gained?
1: Um, how much hope? I think it's really important it, as a human... To, i don't think anyone could live without hope so uh, you know it has to stay there we have to stay positive um, but it's a really messy situation climate change is a really really difficult thing to solve because it basically means we need to do everything differently i'm watching as we speak people go into john lewis fantastic shop no problem with any of the shops but we can't keep buying stuff and consuming stuff the planet doesn't have it's a finite planet. There's a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of trees we can cut down, a certain amount of um, re- fossil fuels and things that we can extract. But it's, there's a limit. And as a as a, um, a species, we're consuming more than the planet can... Um, oh, what's the word? Regenerate. There's a go. Regenerate in, in a year. And it's because of the stuff. This lady there with thousands of bags of shopping, probably preparing for Christmas. And... <sighs> I just have to think, do, do we need this? Is, we have to stop and say, is this something I actually need? Or is it part of that rat race again that we're so stuck in the daily grind that actually buying something makes us feel good? I don't know.
0: Well, we'll pick those up apart a little bit further. Um, I'll, I'll briefly mention, obviously, a lot of people will have woken up to the fact, thanks to things like the Sky News, Ocean Rescue campaign and... I suppose a little bit like what you're talking with, about with Leonardo DiCaprio mm. and his documentary. I think Blue Planet did Blue Planet Blue that a Planet, lot, yeah. And having David Attenborough as Amazing. the messenger yep. probably struck home we all home trust
1: a him, don't we? He's a, he's a much-loved um, public figure. And when he speaks, he, he has the authority. We listen, don't we?
0: In terms of the issue, because obviously there's a lot we can talk about in terms yeah. of issues, but are most of them solvable by changing <laughs> people's <laughs> attitudes and maybe looking at society?
1: absolutely that's that is the solution so a lot of the problems are coming from us the developed countries um it's our obsession with growth and wealth and if we can change that and just pause for a minute and really think about what matters which is people and spending time um yeah the the solutions definitely come from the people
0: how easy is
1: that very hard very hard. I mean, we, you, seriously, you don't know how much mocking I've had for trying to, trying to become vegan. So I don't know if you are aware, but um, the issues to do with um, meat, they're really resource intensive. So to make a, a, a steak, for example, um, it takes a hell of a lot of water. To grow the food, to grow the corn, and all of those fossil fuels, those tractors to extract it and transport it to cattle—who, t- it's just—it's ridiculous amount of um, resources going on one food product. It's not sustainable. So, so we're like, okay, right, let's do what we can. Let's—we're we, pretty good eaters before then, you know. We're a good cook. So it actually doesn't take very much just to make a chilli or a curry with vegetables instead of any meats. That's fine. But then when you go out with your friends and you're going, oh no, I can't, I can't go there. I just I really, really want a vegan meal <laughs> tonight. You know, my poor husband gets ribbed every time when he goes out with his mates and he orders a bean burger and they've got their amazing steaks. It is difficult and, but it's not that difficult. It's difficult until you realise the importance of it.
0: I suppose thinking on, on say, a, a grander scale, if you like, and I, I mentioned it because you alluded on this consumerism aspect, because mm. obviously we're sitting by the window watching people come and go inside <laughs> shops, and that's a large part of the reason why people do come into town centres or city yeah. centres such as this one. So do you need to change almost the basis of an economy, if you like? Because a lot of people would say that consumerism aspect is a key factor to keeping a country going. A country's economy going? It's
1: so difficult. Um, I, I read a really good book by Kate Raworth. It's called Donut Economics, and it basically, <coughs> excuse me, it basically turns on its head this idea that economic growth is a one-way um, graph: up, 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 more, more, more. Um, and actually, instead, looks at the limits that the planet—you know, the, these kind of boundaries that can't be crossed—and um, then focuses on actually sustainable stability so instead of more 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 you know we need to stop and I get your point some people come into town for that but uh, you know there's cafes there's people meeting there's people having fun there's uh, I don't know if there is down there you get the ping pong tables now you know there's a lot of other reasons to come into town but yeah the economy and the consumerism it has to change I don't know how I'm not an economist but I've read some pretty amazing texts about Different ideas about how we can change and change the focus.
0: I'll move on to this word, an ecopreneur, because that's essentially a, it's, a, it's a word that you've given yourself or a title you've given yourself. And when you hear that word, a lot of different definitions, I'm sure, will fly <laughs> through different um, through various people. So, what's your definition for it?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> I'll ask you first. What do you think it is?
0: <laughs> Gosh flip that one back on me (laughs) (laughs) I'll
1: tell you what it's a word that I saw someone else using on LinkedIn and I was like yep I'll have me some of that it's basically um, I mean there's no denying right I have to we have a mortgage and we have bills to pay and I've had a year off working studying full time we're running out of that kind of regular income so I'm having to try and find a way to do what I love and what's necessary but also keep the family afloat so I kind of looked at it as we, we learnt a lot about social enterprise. Um, there was a whole module on doing business differently um, and doing business for good where profits and things don't go to shareholders. They go to good deeds, good, uh, good projects, good campaigns. And so Ecopreneur, I guess, came from that because I, my focus is if, if I actually... Um, start making a living, you know, talking about this these things or, or whatnot. It's just it's a way of kind of giving back an entrepreneur but with a focus on <laughs> on the planet. I just saw it and thought that was really unique. That's a cool title. Yeah. <laughs> I call myself that, yeah, why not? So obviously,
0: there's obviously a ton of stuff you've got going on at the moment. You'll need to look at your yeah. Twitter feed, for example, or your website. Um, what are the main things you're up to, the main messages you're spreading to people? Because I know For example, you're going to be running for Chancellor City Council seat in
1: May. Yeah. I have to say, I just get so frustrated with how much time social media takes up. (laughs) So everything, it's almost like you weren't at an event if you don't post a picture of yourself there and tweet about it. So that just drives me insane. Um, But yeah, I've got absolutely loads going on. So I've connected with all of the sort of green-minded, ethical people in the city that I possibly can and, and collaborate on loads of different projects. So, um, at the moment, so later this month, we have uh, an event called Films for the Future. And we screen um, global documentaries and have loads of different side activities um, and campaigns and free food and loads of different things like this. And it's free to the public at Anglia Ruskin University. Um, And it's just to raise awareness or make maybe I guess make learning about this issue more fun, more social, because (coughs) not everybody's gonna sit down at the end of the day and watch a depressing documentary (laughs) and we have to find a way to kind of communicate this to other people so that's one thing I'm doing we're doing a um, I've linked up with a company called Divest Parliament Um, They're part of 350.org, which is Bill McKibben's um, organisation. And we're doing some free training again later on the month, on the 20th of November. And that's to learn all about climate change and all about fossil fuels and the divestment movement, which is basically, this probably affects you, your listeners. It certainly affected me, but I've started to make changes. Where you have your money, who you borrow from, where your pension is, if these companies are funding the destruction of the rainforest for example or funding big oil companies you're for a pension especially it's kind of ironic because you're saying okay let's put in for a pension to protect my future but at the same time you're saving you know the savings who it's with if that's destroying the planet you're not going to have a future it's completely bizarre but so this fossil fuel divestment is learning about all of this and and making changes and campaigning and lobbying against politicians to try and move those investments to renewables.
0: We'll talk a little bit about Chelmsford as well. Closer to home. Very broad question, but how green is this city?
1: (laughs) I think it could be greener, much greener. Um, Before I decided to stand as a city councillor, um, I went along to a couple of the um, public meetings that they have, full council meetings. I contacted my councillors in my ward. Yeah, you know, I, I spoke to them about transport. I got in today with a bus. It cost me £4.20. I could probably find free parking somewhere for less. It, it's not We're not set up. And this isn't just Chelmsford. Transport in general is, is not set up. Um, with this bigger picture in mind, it costs too much money, far too much money. And for example, you know, if you take a flight to Scotland, it's like £19, but a train is like 300 or something. You know, we're not set up um, for handling this at all. I think in Chelmsford as well, I have to say, the responses I've had from city councillors haven't been very encouraging at all. So I notified them of various... Um, Yeah, so I notified these councillors of um, strategies and things through the um, European Union. There's one called the Covenant of Mayors and you can sign up as your city and get ideas and get funding making your city greener, more environmentally friendly. There's another one called UK 100. Um, I contacted my city councillors about this. Um, It's getting... 100 cities I think it's on a uh, on 100% renewable contracts so just there's so many different sort of schemes and things possibilities opportunities and I just felt that I wasn't being listened to and it was business as usual. Um,
0: Wait, what was it about those responses that disappointed you? <sighs>
1: um, I don't know I, d- I don't know what everyone else's experience of contacting politicians is but <laughs> generally it's it, it, you just kind of get a fluffy response like oh thank you yes we, we support the environment but no we're not going to do anything different it's hugely frustrating I have, I've you know screamed out loud when I've had a letter back from my MP and it's just rubbish and maybe not rubbish but maybe inaccurate I've had, I'm having an ongoing back and forth at the moment with my MP because they sent some information about climate change um, and it was wrong completely wrong. And so I've sent back <laughs> the reply with the science, no, this is wrong, this is misleading, if you're sending this out to constituents, you know, this is not the right information. So I just got frustrated.
0: Is there maybe too much focus from a politician standpoint, if you like, on the here and now rather than ten, fifteen, twenty years yep, down the future?
1: You've nailed it. It's because they're you know we they keep having to Uh, There's elections, aren't there? They keep having to stand. So they have to almost... It's actually less about the politicians and the power that they have and more about people power, which again comes back to the solutions. Um, They're only going to stand for issues that people care about. And quite rightly, people... You know, we've got austerity and, and people using food banks and things. That is an issue that people need if they don't get fed today. You know, goodness knows. So I get that immediacy... Um, and I get that they work on the short term. But there is no economy, there is no stability and security on a dying planet. So at some point, they have to think further. And I think as well, cross-party. It has to be, rather than one, one party. So I'm standing as a, as a green. But what? Rather than just being you know, one party about the environment, it needs to come from everyone. Like the Climate Change Act did in twen- uh, 2008
0: Mention climate change then. Have we as a country... Because I remember learning all about climate change back when I was doing my GCSEs and things like that. Wow.
1: And, but <laughs> I didn't. I mean, that, yeah, that was,
0: part, that was part of the curriculum. But have we almost lost focus on climate change because of all the other big things that are happening in the world right now, news-wise, whether it is Brexit, yeah, whether it is say Trump. I was Brexit,
1: yeah. I, so I wrote a thing for Huffington Post um, a couple of weeks ago. I went on the People's Vote March. It was an incredible day. Um, and so for me hearing that Theresa May is going to be extending, potentially to do with the Irish border, extending that negotiation time, I just, I worked out how many, um, how much time, how many days it's been, and then using scientist, scientists estimates, estimations rather, on how many species go extinct in a day, um, worked out I don't have the figures in front of me, so which would have been really, really cool if I did. But, um, yeah, worked out how many species we've lost during Brexit negotiations. And as well as that, people power, the actual people, civil servants, people that are employed by the government, they've actually transferred people from um, natural England. So this is our environmental um, body in England. They've transferred people to work on Brexit and worked out how many people, hours that would be. So we have... It's... It's just that it's the, it's the forefront. It's, you can't pick up a newspaper without something on Brexit or Trump. Um, and unfortunately, it's stealing the focus very much. The the message about the environment and the urgency of this issue has, has been lost.
0: Maybe when you if you manage to get that seat on the city council, you have more of a platform to do this. But how do you bring that focus back to people?
1: Yeah, I think this is a, um, a very important issue. And... I don't know that there's a single answer. You have to, every person is different and they have different interests and different concerns and different worries and it's about finding a way. I think I'm doing all that I can. I don't, you know I said earlier to you before we hit the recall button, I feel like a Catherine wheel that's maybe flopped over on the floor with being, there's a firework analogy being that we're nearly there. I'm just firing, firing, firing out loads of different ideas and just in the hope that you know, if I can change one person or, or raise awareness of this for one more person it's one, one more person closer to a solution so I don't think anyone has the answers of how we relate this to people although I will say in the last month or two it has felt very prominent in the news and, and, and on TV and things so maybe, maybe it's getting there
0: Moving on then and sort of looking maybe at the future and mm-hmm. how you see your role in the future what kind of things are you going to be doing
1: well I don't know Um, so I'm finishing like I said I'm finishing my um, dissertation my research and at the moment and I am I don't have a background in politics but it's very you can't do anything without it tracing back to politics somehow it's it's the very core it's like the the um, bones and the rest is just you know just the rest of the body we're all just functioning around politics and so I do think that possibly there's something there for me. I'm, I'm not sure. My, my research at the moment is going to be actually going to people and finding out their ideas, policy ideas, what do they think the government should do? Because actually, people have they have like the know-how. We ha- the human race has existed for God knows how long. People are quite capable. And I think they can do great things when they're given an opportunity. So what I wanted to do with my research was to um, formalize, you know, in in academia, some ideas that we could put to the government that people that have come from the people and that people would um, support if politicians were to campaign on it, people would vote for. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But I can't deny that actually creating events and creating projects with the people um, and for the people it's, it's necessary and I, and I enjoy it and I, work, I get to work with a number of really great people so that, that's fun too.
0: Exactly and people power is I suppose a message that's come out throughout this entire recording yes, essentially. Yes, not it? Um, for people yeah. listening to this who may think they want to do something and try and make a difference what's your advice in terms of next steps for them or maybe starting things off at a manageable level because it can be very a daunting yeah. thing when you look at this global picture
1: absolutely and people think I'm going to have to give up my car I'm going to have to get solar panels God I can't afford solar panels <laughs> like I've literally been there with all of these thoughts but what I've found is there is an issue for everyone so you know I meet people that really genuinely care like I think the Women's Institute did something on bees last year and I managed to get through to my mum on, <laughs> on the bee issue with this um, and then, obviously, that links into pesticides. That links into the sorts of food we're eating. And there's there is a global issue on the environment for everyone. Whether it's um, you know deforestation and the loss of the loss of different species there, whether it's um, yeah fossil fuels. I mean, up in um, Lancashire, I don't. Um, we're really lucky in Essex. We don't have um, fracking, which is hydraulic fracturing to get shale gas. Um, but this is a real issue for, for a lot of people in the north of England where there are pockets of gas still it's ridiculous because we already know we're at the limit we can't burn this gas we can't burn this fossil fuel so they're literally it's just a fruitless task why are they spending money on extracting this they've had earthquakes they've had um, chemical leeches in their waters there's like it, I guess it depends on what you're interested in um, there is a campaign for you I think I think uh, learn as much as you possibly can. These issues are happening whether we look behind the curtain and see what's coming or not um, and it's terrifying like I'm scared most days and I don't know what to do but at least do something at least you can look in your kids eyes when we start to realise the extent of the damage and say yeah I did everything that I can.
0: So. For people who want to keep track of you and keep track of your progress and what you're up to, where can people find you on social media or yeah. the internet?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't want to say social media because it just bores me, <laughs> but I am available on at climate underscore Sarah on Twitter and sustainable Sarah on Facebook and, and the website. But um, actually I love hearing from people. My numbers on there, I'm, you know, I'm always up for meeting people and talking about this issue and seeing how we can um, connect our passions and build momentum so, yeah, give me a call. Drop me an email. <laughs> Perfect.
0: And with that, we'll round this episode off to an end. And thank you again, Sarah, for coming on um, and telling us about your life, but also all the work um, that you're doing. <laughs> and we'll probably see you in May when it comes election time. Oh, my goodness. And um, I'm sure you'll be doing the, the rounds and canvassing left, right and centre. I've got some
1: amazing people going out in the freezing this week doing leaflets on recycled paper. I had to make sure it was recycled paper. I didn't want to do anything and be accused of being a hypocrite. And you know, <laughs> But I've got some amazing team.
0: Exactly. And with that, we will round up this episode. Um, Thank you you again, as I've already said, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Follow Essex Live on Facebook, Twitter and on Instagram, or go to our website essexlive.news.